And uh, I have the privilege of uh, uh, allowing our speaker today, uh, Matt Simmons. He's a vet, and not only that, but a public servant and a mover and shaker. <laughs> he, he does so much for our community. He does more than most people would ever know. That's the truth. It is true. It is true. And uh, when I think about Matt, I just think about Matt, you having wisdom and understanding. And I just pray that God gives you a Daniel's heart to be able to discern the times and have the wisdom and understanding to do the things that God has called you to. Talk to your dad and uh, before I uh, wanted to introduce you. And your dad said today, he said, Matt will far out, outshine me. He will far go beyond where I am in public office and all that. So I just think that's the Father's blessing from, from, uh, from that man there. So I so, just want to bless you. Bless you. I haven't seen Aaron in the rooms. Oh, the kids. The kids, I was told to dismiss the children. So I'm not sure the exact ages or where you go, but if you go through those doors, I'm sure somebody will help you. <laughs> uh, so uh, anybody listen to country music besides me? Like you can't wear a flannel shirt and not listen to a little country music. I, don't, I, I think that would be illegal. Um, but... There's a song that's recently, I, I was listening and I heard a song recently, it was called Buy Dirt. So that's what me and Amy did a few years back. We bought some dirt uh, in southern Ohio, and uh, we got the, our anniversary is November 4th. We just celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. We got married when we were 10. So young, I'm, su I'm surprised you gave her away that, that soon, Linda. Uh, and today is Jay's 70th birthday. Happy birthday, Jay. Amy went to the dollar store to get you some balloons, and they didn't have a seven, so she bought an L. She says it's going to turn it backwards. So we'll celebrate the right way. But anyway, we, me and my wife, we got to, so if you see me leaning up against this, I torqued my knee. I was helping, um, we got some critters down there in southern Ohio that I go after. I try to kill and um, try to feed my family with these things. So... One of the gentlemen that lives down there close to me, he's an Army veteran. He killed a few critters, and he needed my help skinning and filleting these things. So somehow I was already dealing with a knee issue, and it got worse. So, But I follow this, this veteran. So this week is Veterans Day, and Steve did an eloquent job of you know giving uh, thanks to the veterans. But I follow a gentleman who lost both legs in Afghanistan. And he hunts. And, and a lot of times when he goes hunting, he has to have his buddies carry him because he just cannot walk on, on terrain that's kind of hilly or bumpy or rocky. And so for me, it's like I have both legs, and as long as I can crawl, I will go after critters. I just will. And uh, maybe one day if you're lucky enough and if I need help somebody carry me, I'll invite you. Michael looks like he could carry me. But uh, so... But that song, Buy Dirt, it talks about buying dirt and, and having a family and, and digging roots. So today, I, Aaron asked me to speak, and I was like, man, it's been a long time, and I'll be so nervous. I've had to use the bathroom three times. I'm not sure why. But, uh, but in the last couple of years, year and a half, almost two years, our country and us as individuals have you know, witnessed something that most of us have never seen in a lifetime. Um, and so... I, myself, will just not associate people with people who have fear. I won't do it. It doesn't make me a denialist. It doesn't make me somebody who doesn't believe what people are saying or, or denying facts. But it also, I will just not live in fear. You, you can still acknowledge the truth and still acknowledge that the Bible instructs us not to partner with the spirit of fear. And so... This church has partnered with that, that we won't be fearful. We'll be wise, we'll be intelligent, and we will do things that we find. And, and especially when you seek after God, God gives you wisdom. And so this church, and I've heard of many other churches in the areas over the last few years doing some really, really weird, different things of people who claim to have faith. So Aaron asked me, and he begged me, he's like, do not go down political roads that just 
lead to controversy, so I'm trying to walk a fine line here. But I still, just all that to say how proud I am of you. Um, you know, we acknowledge the first responders and, and the veterans, but you guys, man, you guys are, have been amazing. And so I am the fire chief there in Troy, and we, through the last few years, we've experienced all kinds of weird things as well, but we were seekers of truth and not wanting to partner with fear. And I think we did a wonderful job. Uh, I've, I've seen other fire departments and other firefighters who, who the things that some of those departments made them do is just crazy. Um, but it doesn't deny the fact that what we were dealing with is real. There are people that were really affected by it, but then there was others who weren't. So then it's like, it was tough to find the truth. And it's, it's hard to find the truth nowadays if you just listen to news. So I hope you have one of these because all good things you can find in here. So, by the way, one of those critters that I helped carve up, I'm going to smoke today. Oh, so good. They, I can't really describe the critters a whole lot because I'm not sure exactly what is legal with these critters. And so uh, it's a little outside the lines. But uh, I could have a private conversation because this is being recorded and this is new for me as well. Uh, usually I'm not recorded up here other than some tape or something that it'd be hard for people to get. But, all right, I got to get started. Let's just say those critters will be good eating. Nothing real legal, okay? I mean, just... I don't want to get the cat out of the bag, if you know what I mean. Somebody might try to go down there and take my critters. All right, enough of, of that. So what, what if somebody told you that no matter what you did as a child, like say you're five, six years old, seven, eight, that somebody told you no matter what you do in life, you can't fail? What would the possibilities be for you if somebody told you that, hey, no matter what you do, if you put your all into it, you will not fail? Because that's a true statement. God has given you everything in your resources along if you partner with him that you will not fail. So anybody old enough, like I've raised my hand, my mother, when Amy and I first got married, my mother was a, a, a avid subscriber to Reader's Digest. All right, we're dealing with some people who've heard, at least heard of it. Um, not a lot of people read any longer without, without these. Uh, so there was a thing in, in the Reader's Digest I always enjoyed, and it was military humor. There were little short stories, and I don't know where, but it would be. So I got my own little short story that would probably make the, the pages of Reader's Digest. I enlisted when I was 17 years old into the United States Navy. Just one. So, so I was still in high school, and I remember, like, at that time, there was a, a program called Delayed Entry. It was, the, the, it was called DEP, D-E-P, Delayed Entry Program. So what was going on was I enlisted, I think, right after the year had began, begun in uh, January. I enlisted, and in about March, we started meeting once a month in Troy before I was actually going to boot camp in September. So we met as a group, and I remember they would give you these little tips, tricks. Uh, you, of course, do push-ups and all kinds of little things. They're trying to get you ready for the actual military. But they would instruct you, too, on things to uh, prepare for. Like, hey, do you like to peel potatoes? And I'm really, I don't. Like, my mom is the... She's been blessed by my dad working 17 jobs that she's a stay-at-home mom, and uh, usually she cooks for me. And I don't really like the, the idea of maybe me having to peel potatoes at 4 in the morning. And so this, I remember this recruiter was talking about that, and he said, but you can get out of these types of duties if you play a musical instrument. And so I'm like, all right, what, what kind of musical instrument? I, I played a bass, I mean... I can lay down a little bit on the bass, and he's like, no, 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 no. You have to either play a trumpet, bugle, or drums, because the Navy actually has a drum and bugle corps. While you're at boot camp, they meet, and they, they play at all the graduations. They go out, and they do all these things. And so 
it just, just was a thought that it was a seed that that, that gentleman planted in my head that just kind of, there was nothing more other than the first day at boot camp. It might have been the second, I don't remember. It was kind of a, a lot of things going on for somebody new in, in the military. Um, pulling your pants down, getting shots, you know, in the rear end. Getting your hair cut, it felt like it's the same time. And so, and I mean all of it, like it was all gone. And it was just like, you know, you've just, it was a weird time. And that's so... I, I remember about the second day, they gathered us all in our, our unit. There was probably about 40 or 50 of us. And they're like, okay, we're going to separate you out by what you're able to do. So who in here played high school, like, in a band? And I was like, oh, this is what that guy was talking about. Because if I don't do something now, I could be getting up earlier than everybody else and peeling potatoes. My arm shot up, and he's like, all right, what'd you play? And I was like, trumpet. And so... So they, they separated us out, and there was about six of us that, that identified as people who played in the high school marching band. And I never was in the marching band. And so they're like, all right, you're going here. They instructed us where we had to go. We went into this auditorium. I walk into the doors of this auditorium, and my heart just sank. Because I look at them, and they're literally, there's one music stand in the middle of this place and there's one person playing an instrument at a time and I'm like oh my god what did I do I'm like you know what I'm here let's give it a whirl I got up there and I they had this trumpet there I put it to my lips and the guy literally looked at me he's like have you ever played that instrument in your life now the truth be told and I think I was in the fourth or fifth grade when we first moved to West Virginia I had lessons for one month and I just, it, I don't know if you just ran out of money or if I, my skill level was not there. I don't recall why I ended those lessons. But, but this guy, this Navy guy was yelling at me. Now, granted, this is like the third day I was in the Navy. He's like, I don't think you ever have. He said, so we're going to put you over here. And there was one other person in the seat. And I went over there and I sat beside him. And at the end of this whole ordeal, there ended up being four of us that basically <laughs> we, we sucked bad. And so they looked, and they, these gentlemen that were running it, they're like, you know what? To me, they said, you're a good-looking dude. You look like you're in shape, and we need you for a marcher. They didn't say all that. I'm, you know, as the story goes on in my life, I need to make it a little more embellished. So I remember they said, listen, we need all of you because we are a marching band and they looked at us for, and they said, but if we ever hear one music note come out of those instruments, you will be kicked out of the Navy. And so that began my journey in the Navy Drum and Bugle Corps. I remember about the fifth or sixth day, I was able to call home, and Dad's like, you know, how's those potato peeling going? I'm like, I'm not peeling potatoes, brother. I'm in the Drum and Bugle Corps. And he laughed. He said, ha, ha, no, you're not. And I really was. I went to every week, like literally all I had to do was study a little bit, do some push-up steps here and there, and we were going out to football games, San Diego Chargers. We were going to parades, and everything we ever entered, we won first place. He didn't believe me, so at the end, I had to buy a video cassette that actually proved I was in the drum and, and bugle corps. So I have many other veteran stories, but that was one of my favorites because, again, I've always had the mindset that, you know what, it doesn't hurt to try what's the worst that can happen, and then case in point. So recently, in, in my message, it's, it's ironic that it's on freedom. It's on freedom of, you know, what is freedom? What is freedom to you? What does freedom mean to you? And so I think if you would ask different people, freedom would look much different maybe than what you think. Um, their freedom, when you explain it to them, would maybe look much different than what they think. Because the definition, if you look in Webster's Dictionary, it really means it's, it's almost a self-centered definition of you're free to do this, this, and this. When I look at freedom, I look at those people who went before me and fought for that definition of freedom. It's who paid the price, because freedom is not free. Actually, we were upstairs, and they were praying, and they were like, you know, we were free to come here to church today, and we were free to worship. What well, wasn't so free to me, on my way here today, I broke my mirror on my truck pulling out of my garage. So 
And some of you, I bet if we went down the line, something it cost you today, whether it was a family piece on your way here, fighting the kids, or something, there was a cost associated with you coming here today to give God his, his glory, to give Jesus, who died on the cross, his deserving glory. So, I about four years ago was asked by one of our local congressmen, Congressman Davidson, to be on a selection committee to nominate um, young men and women into the military academies, the service academies. And it was such an honor, and it was something that I was like, okay, you know, I would love to do that. That would be such an honor to, you know, have the opportunity to place men and women in positions that are so important into our nation. And so that was one of the questions that was asked to these young individuals this, this selection uh, period this year. And all, every one of them, out of 12 individuals that we, young, and I'm telling you, these are individuals who are sharper than sharp, which is good. I mean, it's a, it's a refreshing thing to know that we still have men and women who voluntarily want to serve our country, not just serve, but and lead. And these, since about sixth grade, have been planning this track grade point averages of there was three of them that had 4.0s and that's not weighted weighted was like 4.7 nowadays this weighted stuff it doesn't make any sense to me it's like you know just give me this straight up what is your grade point average i want to see your your grades because now with the college credit they get uh additional credit towards a weighted graded or grade point average so they start serving their community in about the seventh or eighth grade because they know that's part of the selection process. What are you doing extracurricular to, to set yourself apart? All of them are leaders, but when they had the opportunity to define what freedom means, none of them said it is something that somebody died for. Every one of them said, in, in a certain aspect, it gives me the ability. What I define freedom is, I get to do this, and I get to do that, and I get to do this, and I get to do that. And so I'm sitting there, and it's just, my mind is like, somebody died for this. Are you willing to die for this? Are you willing to pay a price for this freedom that gives you the right to do exactly what you just said? And so as I was sitting there, and Aaron asked me to preach a message, it's more going to be a teaching message, by the way. I'm not as delicate as Aaron and his approach like, I, and I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, it's been like at least two years. And I see all these new people that probably have never heard me speak. I used to speak on, on occasions, more than occasions. And I'm like, man, Aaron, trust me with his babies. Because you are, you, a lot of you that have never heard me speak, you're his babies that he holds delicately. And he, last week he, he pulled me aside. He's like, now, are, are you able to do this? Like, Without my baby, like dropping my baby, I'm like, I won't drop your babies, I promise you. So, but not one of those individuals mentioned that freedom is a bigger picture of what it costs somebody something. And I want to parallel the United States and our freedom, so the freedom specifically that veterans, this is Veterans Day is coming up this week, and what many veterans, you know, in a voluntary force would do for you, and then parallel that with what veterans of our history in context of Scripture have done for you to be able to sit where you're sitting. And it's all part of God's plan, which blows my mind. Amy and I were sitting around a fire one day, and it was just, I started to think, like there was this little caterpillar just kind of walk around a fire and it crawled up my chair and I flicked it and Amy's like why'd you do that and it like fell right on its head and I'm like oh I can take it look at that little thing it's like like it's she's like yeah but that was like a hundred times its height and it's like fell and so it was just a weird thought but I'm like God didn't make me the caterpillar he made me to be me he could have chose like it could look much different for you People could be looking at you and say, how bad is our winter going to be by the color of your caterpillar? Now, some of you don't know that, but it's, <laughs> they can predict winter, some people say, folklore. 
by the color of the caterpillar. So it's just, when you think about it in a deep manner, and you get a central thought of why you are even here, it all leads back to God. It leads back to his creativity to create you for where you're at, the time and place in which you are, and then it becomes, what is your plan? What is his plan for you? So, Aaron talked the last few weeks about sowing seeds and a later harvest and that, that, you know, what you're doing now, you're planting these seeds even in the midst of what you're getting for yourself. You're, you're, this is freedom. This is what freedom looks like in worship. But you're also laying down seeds that others will be able to enjoy that are probably fruit that is much more than the fruit that you're going to get on your time in this realm. That it's to your ceiling becomes somebody else's floor. And Aaron talks about this. And it was the same for our founding fathers. Many of the people back in the, the late 18th century, before, you know, in 1776 and around that time period, they knew what they had and they knew what was going on since the pilgrim landed in the United States, that there was something special about the United States of America. There was something different than what was going on in England, where most of their ancestors were from. There was something different when you landed, and there was a freedom to be able to be free to earn your own keep, to have a trade, to be able to practice religion of your choosing. That's why God, one of the most thoughts that entangles my mind the most is free choice. He gives you the ability to serve him, or he gives you the ability to not serve him. But he will not force you to serve him. So the same was when our, our country was founded. The founding fathers, they, they would meet and they would discuss. They would meet and they would discuss because they knew of any type of government, it was not good. Speaking of somebody who works for the government, thank them every two weeks. But there is no perfect government. There never will be a perfect government until we get into heaven of the government of God. So they struggled and they struggled. But what they did know was freedom was at the core of our government. Freedom would be the core of this America, this new great experiment. And so I was researching because the the scriptural context is one of my favorite characters today. I'm going to talk about Benaiah, who was one of David's warrior, mighty warriors. Wasn't amongst the three, but he was one of the mighty ones. And But he was, he was one that you, how many has heard of Benaiah? Raise your hands. No, not a lot of you. You hardcore scripture readers. Probably the, 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 your classes raised their hands, Steve. So there was a gentleman named John Stark in our American history that maybe some of you have heard of, maybe some of you have had or have not. When news of, shots, of the shots that were fired at Lexington and Concord on April 19, 1775, around the Boston area, that's what that started the whole American Revolution. But it was, it was in working before this. We realized that, right? I mean, there was a lot of tension, a lot of things, but this was the ones that was recorded as the shots fired. John Stark in New Hampshire the f heard of this the following day. The 46-year-old farmer and sawmill operator. He was just a guy enjoying his freedom. He was just a guy that was like, he was just in his own element. Bought some dirt, by the way. He was farming, and he was a sawmill operator. He could have just said, you know what, this isn't my, my fight. Because I'm sure he had family that was from England, and, and the Redcoats, the English... That was a, a big tension with our American Revolution. There was a lot of people that were family, distant relatives, fighting one another. Think about that. So when, news reached, when the news reached John Stark, he immediately recruited 400 men and marched to Boston. I think of that today, and it's like, what would, it, what would that be like? to immediately drop everything, everything that you're comfortable, your comfort level, everything that you're comfortable with and just say, you know what, we're picking up because this is a fight that is worth fighting for. 
The French and American War veteran led his regiment into the Battle of Bunker Hill on June 17, 1775 and posted them in a noticeable gap in a Patriot's defense. These weren't like American revolutionary fighters. They weren't trained. They were just people in his community. And by the way, they end up losing. You're like, I just set the whole thing up and I gave you the ending. <laughs> so bad. So they, they set up in a gap of the Patriots' defense, which they prevented the British from getting around the American line. If the British had gotten into the rear, the Patriots would have been routed, another general says. So Stark saved the day at Bunker Hill while the Patriots ultimately lost this battle. Thanks to Stark, they infli inflicted severe casualties on the British. Two years later, Stark's militia stopped the momentum of the British advance from Canada at the Battle of Bennington. When the elderly Stark sent his regrets, because it, later on they invited him to a reunion because of his importance in the part he played. But by this time, he was old, and it said he walked with a limp. It's kind of like me today. But he couldn't reach, he couldn't do it, he couldn't uh, attend the reunion of the veterans for that battle. But he enclosed a letter with the exhortation, live free or die. Which subsequently was adopted as, adopted as New Hampshire state motto in 1945. We've all heard that, live free or die. Nowadays you say that, you're a terrorist, you're a domestic terrorist. <laughs> There's a lot of things nowadays if you do, you're, you know, if you're a, an evan evangelical, somebody who loves God, and not just loves God, but you want to evangelize God, tell others about the good news, and you love your country, they're labeling you as a bad person. Well, I say live free or die. And I don't even own a Harley. Never will. So I, I want to parallel this now, this American history that, that many, 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 many people picked up as ordinary people and said, we can't allow this to happen. There were your George Washingtons, your James Madisons, your, you know, a lot of people who were influential in actually constructing the documents by which we now live by, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. But there were so many people who were just normal people, like you and me. Because, I, I mean, I look out here and I see so many people and they're like, I see so many people and potentially in your mind it's like, I'm not going to be on stage. I'm not going to be Steve Bowen. I'm not, I can't do all this. Well, these were ordinary, normal people who had had enough and said, as long as God has given me breath, I'm going to fight for the freedom because I know my children, what I've tasted, my children will reap the benefits of this fruit and make it better than what we have. I can only imagine if some of our founding fathers were alive today, they would be so excited. You're like, well, what, what, look at what's going on political. They don't care about political. They care about the freedom, and if they got to come into this church, they would see you up here dancing, worshiping, and, and everybody doing it differently, and they'd be like, that's what I fought for. That's what I died for. So... Hebrews 11, Winston Churchill. Anybody ever hear of him? All right, I got to keep you guys a little honest here. I will try. Turn to your Bibles, Hebrews 11. Another fighter of our faith. I'm going to be in chapter 11. And I'm going to skip around quite a bit, so apologize to Rob. I saw, I'm sorry. I gave you the scriptures, and I'll try to follow that. But if I don't, and you have your Bible, you should be fine. Right? All right, Hebrews 11. But Winston Churchill once said, the longer you look back, the further you can look forward. I know there's a lot of people in here that are probably like, I don't like history. You know, it's, it doesn't mean a lot to me. But how can you look forward if you don't look backwards? And so Paul 
was one that, you know, you, we've, if you've been here long enough, you've heard of Paul, you've at least been taught about Paul and a lot of the scriptures, which Aaron, I know, preaches, that Paul wrote so much of the New Testament. He, draw, he was persecuting the Christians and then went to be one of the, the premier preachers of Christ and salvation. And so in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is, and I hope you've heard this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A lot of people will pluck a little scripture from here or there, but I'm sure you've heard that. It's the things that are hoped for, but the things that you don't really see. I haven't personally seen God, but I definitely believe he's real. I don't believe it. I know it. I know it. I was in the office today. I got to look at the time because I got a lot to cover. But I was in the office just preparing a little bit, and I saw a picture of my grandfather. I saw a picture of Dad, Aaron, and I. And uh, if you don't know, Aaron is my, my older brother by a few years. This is true. I can't tell a lie from the fault, but I am his elder brother. Play that trumpet. <laughs> so, but I looked at my grandfather. There's a picture of him kneeling at an altar with a Bible at the church that he helped build in Piqua, Ohio. And I'm like, man, what, what a legacy. What? And, and so for Aaron will get up here and speak about how he became this atheist. And, and every time he says it, I look at my wife and I said, he was the worst atheist ever. Because during those times, he was coming to church and helping lead the youth. And so every time he says it, I'm like, that's amazing because he was the worst atheist ever. But me, I remember a conversation that I had with my grandfather, at, and I, I was a young teenager. And he, I just remember the context of the conversation was, he said, Matt, I'm not crazy. And I believe in this God of the universe that everything, and he, he everything will be made to according to his plan. And so I've had rocky, a rocky road. I've had different things that have challenged my faith. But I always look back to my grandfather and said, that man was not a crazy man. We were in a church that did some crazy things, and so are you. But he was not a crazy man. He was, he was sane, more than sane, and he read his Bible until he could not read it any longer and had to be, he became blind, and he then had an audio Bible. And I remember him one time, he says, Matt, why you can, read the Bible with your own eyes because there may, become a day, there may come a day where you cannot read it. And that's one of my things in my life, I wish I could read my Bible. So, Hebrews 11, let's keep going. And I'm going to, for the sake of time, just Paul is going and he's talking to, he's preaching and, and telling the people, all these people in the history of faith, Abraham. So if you have your Bible, and I'm definitely, Rob, I'm just going to skip through here. The whole chapter of 11, when he's talking about the he defines faith, and then he goes through the history of faith. In verse 4, he says, By faith, Abel offered God a more excellent sacrifice. Don't try to keep up, Rob. In 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Verse 8, By faith, Abraham obeyed. Verse 11, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive a seed. 17, By faith, Abraham. 21, By faith, Jacob. 24, by faith, Moses, when he became aged, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. In, ver in chapter 11, he is going over all the patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith who said, in the history. And then you get to verse uh, 39. And all of these having attained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. How discouraging. By faith, you, you learn in verse 1, he defines faith. Paul defines it, and he's like, this is faith. And then he goes through, and you're, you're listening to this message, and Paul's up here like me, and he's like, you could do it by Abraham. And they're all like, we know Abraham. We know Jacob. And he goes through all these historical stories that everybody is so familiar with and at the end he says they never received the promise 
Like, whoa. What does that mean? That you might not. You might not, if it's a self-centered thing that you're after, you might not receive it. I look back to these individuals, and what does freedom mean to you? It's, it means I get to go do this, I get to go do that. What if you don't? What if the first day out of the academy you get sent to your unit and you are killed? What then? I would go back to John Stark and I would say I would be happy because I would live free or else I die. Abraham, or Paul is saying, listen, these people received, it, it does say they received their, their heavenly realm, but not the earthly inheritance that they were promised. And they understood this. I will fight because I am not sure what God has planned for me, but I have a young man who's my son, and I know if I'm a leader and he looks at me as somebody who's a fighter, and look what I have in my life, and if he fights for and it's his floor is my ceiling, what is he capable of? So Beniah, and, and by the way, here's a fun fact. Aaron came up to me one day, this was several years ago, and he's like, hey, do you, you, you need to study Bible? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. There's a caveat to this Bible. And it's the whole story of Benaiah is not in this Bible. This goes from like First Chronicles to Second Kings. And I'm like, oh my, and then this week I'm preaching on, I knew I wanted to talk about Benaiah, and then I remembered, I'm like, oh man, my study Bible, it cuts it out. So it must be so important. But I can't get rid of it now. I mean, I, I write notes in here when people speak. I, I write my own, what I received out of that. And so I just can't get rid of it. But it's like, it's, I feel like there's something missing. Because there is. So in 2 Samuel 23, 20, we hear of a story of, of one of David's mighty warriors. So David, you know, David, he's, he's the guy that faith was... God chose David to be the first legitimate king of his choosing, right? We remember there was a king that was chosen by the people, but God had a different plan. And whenever you don't go by God's plan, it doesn't work out too good. You can read about it. But for the sake of time, Benaiah, so then David becomes king, and he, before he became king, he had all these people that he needed help. And by the way, when you're going on your godly mission, you can't do it alone. So David chose these people that would help him because there were literally people trying to kill David. Lots of them. So he chose these mighty warriors, and Benaiah was one of them. Benaiah was the son of, oh, Lord, Jehoiada. Does that sound good? It actually means Jehovah known is the, that name. People have a hard time with Judah's name. He's on all these little ball teams, and people just, I'm like, it's pretty easy, Judah. I, we ought to name, if we ever have a second son, which, who knows, Amy? <laughs> Je, Jehoiada. So, and his father was a priest. I see a lot of resemblance. My father's a pastor, and I wasn't chose or to give him the, the, this platform as a pastor, but I was given the job to fight. And so that was Benaiah. He was amazing. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He had, can you think of that? This is, this is interesting stuff to me. Maybe because I just killed a few animals. And he had also gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And when you really study this out, there was a, a group of men who were on a mission from David, and this lion came and attacked. And so he chased this thing. It falls down to this snowy pit, and he's like, uh-uh, I'm, I'm going down. Or he went down, and if I, like, when my first thoughts of this, this lion, I, I think of this, like, just this kind of crater hole. But if you look at the, the context and geographical context of Israel, it was more than likely a cave. Somewhere like this lion felt protected, like, you know what, this is a crazy man, and I'm, you know, I think I made him mad by eating two of his buddies, so I'm going to go hide in this cave that was full of snow. Benaiah said, no, 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 I'm going to go find it, and I'm going to go kill it, and he did. He chased it down into this pit, and he went and killed this lion. He also killed an Egyptian who was recorded in the Bible as being a giant, and he 
only had a club. This Egyptian had a spear, and he took his club, beat this man, took his spear, and killed him with it. Get whatever I'm, I'm, do you pick up what I'm laying down here? Benaiah is a bad man. Benaiah is somebody that I could, like, sit around a fire with. Right? Flick caterpillars. Come on, Benaiah. Look, look. These things the son of Jehoiada did won a name among the three mighty men. He was more honored than the 30, but he did not attain to the first three. He was one of David's mighty 30, but he didn't attain the status of the top three. I say that to say that doesn't make you special by being up on this platform. It doesn't make you special by getting a title. Benaiah was just one of the 30. But that man was fierce. His father was a priest. And he served David violently. And he became the guard of David's... He became the leader, the general of David's guard, which was a bunch of mercenaries. These were not Israelites trained in battle they were mercenaries they were people from every which way all different places different origins different makeup that came together that said we want to serve this king this is you we don't have royalty here unless i'm mistaken if you're royalty tell me who you are after church but if I had to guess, we are ordinary people from ordinary parents, from an ordinary cause that have been extraordinary put into this place. By your willingness, you're, you're volunteering like, I want to serve God. I want to serve God. Even the newest believer, you're here for a purpose. And if you go at it with all that you have, you will reach your potential in God. And he's begging you. He's asking you partner with me partner with me because what you're doing you're fighting for is worth fighting for your children that you don't even have in your life will reap the benefits and the rewards of what you're laying down today so for the sake of time man I got so much but it's so good and when you read this story of Benai and David so what happens is towards the end of David's life there was God's plan was to have Solomon, his son, become king, right? There became a jealous stepbrother, Adonijah, who was Solomon's stepbrother that the Bible says was good-looking. It's really all it says about it. Other, he was jealous and he was good-looking. So I'm not sure. I might say you're the good-looking one today because in that context, it's not good, Aaron. Look who popped in. Oh, I better come back. I better come back. So Adonijah had different plans, and he knew that there was maybe a potential opportunity because David is feeble. David is, is held up into his, into his room, and he's on his deathbed. And Adonijah says, this is the time, and actually started calling himself the king. David hears this because Bathsheba comes back, and she's like, hey, there's, there's, a, there's something going amiss here because Solomon's half-brother is saying he's now king. And David, on his deathbed, says, no, 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 no. This is not going to happen. And so I want you to follow me here in 1 Kings chapter 1, 36 through 38. The king is describing that this can't take place. However, Benaiah, however, is, is loyal to David and fully backs Solomon. And guess who is called upon? The mercenary forces. Because a lot of David's army, and at this time, Joab was still the commander of the army, turns and he turns against David and partners with Adonijah. David's Joab. There's a lot of scripture on Joab where he was a good man and he fought valiantly for David, but at the end, he partnered with Adonijah. But there was a loyal man that was still by David's bedside, and his name was Benaiah. And Benaiah says, hey... We still got these goofballs that are these mercenaries from all over Timbuktu. What do you need us to do, David? Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. Amen. 
he, it's like it's a cry of excitement. Amen. Like I hear Kenny occasionally, you know, he says there's other people in the church and when lots of, like my dad demands those, right? Amen. So, Benaiah says, amen. May the Lord God of my Lord, the King, say so. All I was waiting on was the order. So he goes out, and the, the crux of the story is he goes out, Adonijah is killed, but then Joab is running around because he knew he partnered with the wrong person. He knew, he's like, man, and I bet if Joab was looking back on his life, he's like, where did I go wrong? Where did I lose my mission? So he goes and hides like a coward who was a man that was, was this, like, war hero. And he goes into the temple. Benaiah's chasing him. Benaiah knows that he's like, I can't go in there and kill him. He said, he's not the lion in the pit. That's a holy place. And so he gets word back to David, and the prophet says, you know what? This is declared by the Lord. You go in there and you kill him. So he did. I say that to say that Benaiah was somebody who understood and at the end was so loyal to the cause that he hung out with David, even though he wasn't one of the ones that was on the platform every day, he was loyal to the cause. I think there was such a history in Benaiah's life with his father being a priest that he understood that, hey, my mission might not look pretty, but it's a mission. My place in this life, it might not be what others is, but it's important. And there may become a day where I'm called upon to fulfill the great mission of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like you, you spend your whole life and you're like, God, what is my plan? I'm not ready to give it to you yet. You just be faithful with what you have. God, what is my plan? You just go. If you have a little, the draw in your heart to go to church today, you go to church. Because God is always tugging. If, if you're in church and you feel a tug to pray for somebody, that's what God is saying to do right now. If you feel the tug, it's like when we have, whether it's a missionary or Aaron's talking about tithing or the plans for this church, and you feel a tug to give a little deeper with your wallet than you did yesterday, then do it. And when God says when you're faithful with little, then there might be a time where your, his whole plan depends on you in that moment. Here we have David, and you read about David and the, the New Testament, the Old Testament, and can you imagine if Solomon wasn't the next king? The one that was building the temple of God. And it was because of a man named Benaiah that then Benaiah, after that, put Solomon up on the donkey and rode him through. This happened right before he killed Joab. I forgot this part. This is like the favorite part. He's like, who's going to do something to me? Because Benaiah, I don't think, ever had an ounce of fear in him. And so before Adonijah was killed and before Joab was killed, who they were on one side of the camp saying they were king, they placed Solomon on a donkey and rode him out with the, with the band, with the, the drum and bugle corps from the Navy, and, and pronounced him as king with the prophet calling it. And that's when the other camp knew there was, they didn't have the blessing of God. And now what are they going to do? Because I'm telling you, I'm trying to get you to a point where you are special. You are amazing. And everything that God has, he wants to include you in on it. He needs you. But if you're not willing to volunteer, he will find somebody that will. And that's what I've always looked at my life. If it's not me, then who is it? And why not me? If the church grass needs mowed, why, why can't it be me that mows it? Right, John? If somebody needs a musician up here and I can do it, then why not me? If you have something in you that you're able to give because freedom is not free, it will cost you something. And so I look at these warriors and these people who sacrificed everything in order to me to be able to have this freedom where I get to enjoy what somebody else has, has planted, these seeds that have now become fruit in my life. That's why I do what I do. Because somebody worked harder than me, and I don't, I don't like that. I don't like when people work harder than me. 
although I'm getting older. I can, I can still work with the best of them. So I, I look at people that have fought this fight and say, if they did what they did, what does that look like for you? So I, I have my wallet here. It is stacked full of cash. Look how thick that thing is. And every time I go to use my speedy rewards card that's buried behind my license is this little card here. It's just a little, like, it says universal on it, but a little hallmark type deal. It says, open your heart to all that God has planned for you. Because it says the Lord will fulfill his promises. That my mom gave to me years and years ago. And this is what she would do. You, she was in the background. You'd have to be with this guy. He is the most loud guy that ever would show up in a room. And my mom's just back there, and she would never say anything like, hey, Greg, you're too loud. Greg, you need to calm down. Maybe she would when the kids weren't around. But she would just, she had her own mission. I remember there wasn't a time that we wouldn't, that I would eat in a restaurant with my mother, and she wouldn't pull out one of these cards give it with the tip to the waitress or waiter she was behind the scenes and she would watch over the congregation and she knew when people needed special prayer she needed she knew when somebody needed to be invited out to lunch i wouldn't be here today because in my navy days after the drum and bugle ex extravaganza i became a man that kind of lost my way in my faith it wasn't the priority of my life at that time. I didn't not believe in God. I didn't, not, I didn't want to not serve God. I just chose so many other things to do. I love God, but I'll be honest with you, what kept me going was this sense of security, knowing my mother and my grandmother were praying for me. And I just felt this tangible spirit that I was going to be fine. I wasn't going to die. I wasn't going to, you know, have this moment where I was going to die and need to call out salvation because I've strayed from God. I had this peace that I have people and it's, I don't recommend it for everybody, by the way. <laughs> I don't recommend it. But I wouldn't be up here today talking to you right now and talking about the freedom that I have in my life without my mother praying these, who knows how long. She had an altar with like a fishbowl that had all these names and different things in it. And she would pull those out, lay it on her altar, and she would pray and pray and pray and pray. She literally prayed without ceasing. So I say that to say that freedom's not free because my mother was taken way too early. In John 10, 9, verse 9 through 11, it says, I am the door. If anybody enters by me, he will be saved and we will go in and out and find a pastor. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in this context. But I read this and I say, man, there are people who are going to come and they're going to be taken too early. But I guarantee you my mother would have said, live free or die. I want to live knowing that I'm serving the, the, the one true God who had a plan to bring his own son to die on a cross. And therefore, I believe it with everything that is in me. And as long as I have breath, I'm going to live it this way. So my children can have what I never had was, a, was an opportunity, a church, a, 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 a corporate body that would surround them so they can make their family even that much stronger. And that's what has happened. With our family, my mother, being who she was, was ridiculed when, when her and my father started a church that was here in Tip City just over 20 years ago. She was an outcast to her own family. She was put down, and it really messed with her, but it never deterred her to say that this is what my family needs. This is the freedom of the by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. But my mom... She got to come into these doors or scriptures that she wrote right under this carpet, but she never got to enjoy a church service in this building. 
but she would be so happy that you all are enjoying the fruits of the seeds that she helped plant. Ah, you clapped, now you made me a little soft. But, um, and I think even more so for her own family, that her grandkids, all of them, are enjoying the freedoms of this great church. And, and not just coming in here, but when we leave, we become testimonies of what she, the seeds that she planted. The freedom that I talked about it's not free. So the musicians can, can come. I want to end by Paul again in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. He says in his dying breath, some of his last words that he had recorded, says, I charge you therefore, brother, or before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There's a time that if we don't do what we do, it will disappear. Freedom is not just fought for and established. Freedom it is almost harder to maintain freedom than it is to start freedom. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. Go ahead and stand with me. There are so many parallels with our, our great United States of America. And the freedom in which we have, the freedom in which you get to choose a career, the freedom in which you, you do get to enjoy so many different freedoms that nobody else gets to, there's a lot of other people that don't get to enjoy. One of the times I was in the Navy, I was, I was based out of Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. I was in the Navy Seabees, and we basically would set up forward operating bases, worked with Marines. And I remember going to, uh, first we went to Haiti in 1994, uh, subsequently, we were immediately rushed to Cuba because of all the refugees coming from Haiti and Cuba. And I remember working there, and, and about our about first month in, they started giving us uh, Cubans to work alongside us. And I remember hearing stories, broken English, and sometimes with a translator, but most of the time we were just given these Cubans, and we just learned to communicate by, by nature of being with one another. They literally would get on an on a inner tube, people. And willing to die to get the opportunity that you wake up to. There's a reason. I, I won't get political here. I, I just won't. Those people were the most artistic, the hardest working and the most pleasurable people that I have ever been around in my life, and they literally had nothing. Nothing. I would hear stories about Cuba. I would hear stories about only certain amount of people got beef, only certain amount of people got this. And every day of their lives, it was basically chosen, especially if you're poor, what your life looks like. And these people would show up with smiles. We built them literally. They were... 20 by 20 tents on a platform of wood that they would put about 40 people in to sleep. And they were excited every day that I saw them. And when I wanted to complain about the tent that I was sleeping in and about the food that I was eating, I couldn't do it because of these people that I knew I were going to go see here in a few minutes and that would literally, they would work all night if they could. Only to have the opportunity that you and I enjoy. Marilla her father was in prison 
in Cuba for trying to escape Cuba. I say that to say that you're here by your own free choosing. Some of you might be struggling with your faith. And I want to have an opportunity if the prayer team would, would, would come to the front. Because I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm pleading with you, that God has, has created you so special. He counted the hairs on your head before you were ever even a thought. And he says, that's the person that I have a plan for. They're going to be so, so well in stewarding these small that I have such a big plan for them. God sets up in Daniel chapter 2, he says, you know, I'm not too worried about the, the political realm. I'm engaged in it, but I'm not worried about it because in, J in J Daniel chapter 2, God says he sets up kings and he sets down kings. Please don't get worried about our freedoms that we have because God has chosen you to help defend them. As long as all of us in this room have breath, we will be coming to the upper room trying to do so much in our own territory to give other people the freedoms that we have in this church with this praise, with the people that speak, with the class that you have at, after church for the new believers that want to be hooked up with people like me. You want to be hooked up like me, you're going to have to work like me. But I say that to say, don't ever once feel down in your life because I'm telling you, there are people out there that are so much worse than you are. But Matt, you don't know how hard it was for me to even come here today. I don't. But I know as long as you have breath, let it fight for what God has called in your life. Freedom's not free. But I'm telling you, the people who have fought for it don't always look and appear to be who they are. I don't know if Benaiah means benign, but I'm telling you, Benaiah wasn't one of the most talked about characters in the Bible. And if I had to guess in his time, he wasn't around the king's table when they were feasting and doing all these things. Joab was, but I'm rest assured, I don't think Benaiah and the mercenaries were. They were literally the outcasts, but in the end, the outcasts are what made God's plan come to fruition. So Jesus Christ could die on a cross. It came from David's lineage. So if you're struggling in any form of your purpose and you don't feel like you have strength to fight, now's the, now's the time. Let these people pray with you. If you're not comfortable with that, just bow your head because I want to pray over you. But if you are comfortable, this is the time to come up. If you're questioning your own salvation, now's the time. You have to wrap your, your head around that central idea that Jesus Christ died for you so you don't have to worry about the life after, but you still have the life you're in. And that's what I'm talking about. So bow your head. Lord, I just call out freedom, freedom, freedom in this place. Lord, freedom that is so encouraging, like the Cubans who would risk it all their own lives but to smile at an opportunity to have what we have here today. Thousands of them, 40,000. When I was in Cuba, there were 40,000 Cuban immigrants in Guantanamo Bay waiting for the opportunity to come here. And the ones that did, I'm telling you what, most of them are so successful because they looked at their lives and they said, I got nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. Your children's lives, the children that you have, the grandkids that you have, the grandkids that you don't have, the children that you don't have, their lives depend on what you're going to do today. Their lives depend on the decisions that you're going to make when you walk out of this place of what you're going to do with the life that God has given you. But we're so free. Liberty is not a guarantee, people. Liberty in the United States, liberty and salvation, it is not a guarantee you have to fulfill your plan with God. So I just speak, Lord, we just pray over these individuals. Everybody here today, give them a spirit of benign. Give them a spirit of Midge Simmons. When she got diagnosed with cancer, Lord, we know what she said. And when people would ask her, why you? She said, why not? Because God, she said, God knew that even if she got it, she knew it wasn't from God, but it, why her? And she said it was better her than a 14-year-old kid that couldn't deal with it. So I just pray over you, Lord.
You bless them in their coming. You bless them in their going. But let them know what it means to live free. No more bondage. No more bondage. No more not fulfilling their mission. No more walking around not knowing what their day looks like. Lord, let their days be planned like you have planned them. Let them become organized with their thoughts. Lord, we just call over their minds today that things are lifted. Things are falling off. Things are, chains are coming down. Clarity in their thoughts. Clarity and also strength to know that they can live as free as I'm living up here today. There is no more cloud over them. Things will come. Life will hit you so hard at some times. But the, the, the renewing of your mind is what you have to be concerned about. Every day, the renewing of your mind. Let my mind be cleansed. Let my mind be healed. Let my mind be free of anything that is distracting. Even if there is a health diagnosis over my life right now, I will live and I will be free because as long as I have breath, I have something to say. That's really all I got. Who wants to live free? Go out and be the Benias. All right? You guys have it in you. This is the most free church that you would ever have encountered that will help you get to your destinies. We love you. And I'm so thankful and blessed that, Aaron, you let me speak today. Because there was stuff boiling in me and it had to come out. But I appreciate you guys, and I'm glad to partner with you. You guys are a bunch of warriors. We love you. Thank you.